Take your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. I, I am, I'm going over some well-worn ground today, biblically, because most people have been in church and listened to sermons. You have listened to a sermon by somebody on 2 Samuel chapter 11, 1 through 5, basically covering the, the failure of David. Um, but I'm not going to go from the normal angle that you've probably heard it preached from, but there's another truth that I'm going to take from this passage that, to me, is glaring. Uh, about 10 years ago, in, 20, uh, in fact, it was the uh, January of 2008, <clears throat> I prepared this message and preached it on 2008, about 10 years ago. Um, there may be it, no, of, of all of 2018, this may be the most important message you're going to hear as a born-again Christian, as a male born-again Christian. Uh, females do not struggle with what I'm going to talk about nearly as much as the males struggle with it. Uh, but there is no, with, without good male leadership, you are in deep trouble. And all the men said? Amen. They're slow. But if without, I know you're living in a day of feminism, so I know you're, you're, you're get, you've been beat down a lot. So let's try that again. In a day, without good male leadership, we're all in trouble. Amen. That's God's way. You look from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's all male leadership. The 12 apostles are all male. The 12 leaders of the Israel tribes are all male. It was all male judges. It was all male governors. It was all male kings. It's just a man's world, as James Brown said. It's a man's world, it really is. And I'm not apologetic of that. And I don't think we men ought to be apologetic of it. It is where God's place is. Now, we've messed it up real good. And all the women said. I mean, you look at the world today. It is in catastrophe. It's, it's tumbling. The sun, oh, it's just a mess. And that's male leadership. Because you've got to take the good with the bad, don't you? And that's why I want to talk to you men today. Specifically, you ladies can listen in. I want to talk to you today of what happened to David did not happen to you. If it has already happened to you, I, it should not happen a second time. But it will destroy every good thing you ever touched with your hands or every good thing you ever going to have. This uh, thing that, that plagued David will plague you and will take everything good away from you. Um, the sermon title is, How Can We Survive Accessibility? When the Holy Spirit started dealing with me to re-preach this, it was about a month ago when Jim Van Gelderen and the war came to us to work with the teenagers. There are specific ministries to reach out to the high school and the junior high school, teenagers, get them to come. The last night we had some 85 young people showed up. Overall, 15 decisions for Christ during those uh, three days of intense evangelism among uh, teenagers specifically. But his ministry overall peaked out in about 1995. 1995, he said, he had at one church over 300 and plus 300 plus teenagers. That's the largest group we ever had. So we're going to say it peaked out and it's been, and, and over across, he goes all over the United States. It's been declining. The interest uh, of the young men, which is where he really reaches out to, the young men has been, uh, they're not coming like they used to come. And of course you begin to ask yourself why. He's preaching the same message. 
I mean, he's doing the same things he did. He's doing the same game. I mean, different games, good games, but numbers are, there's nothing been uh, diminished from his ministry. His ministry, in fact, by age has gotten better. He's gotten wiser in the Word of God. So it, it ought to be actually, if you would, if you would treat it like a business, it ought to be going up. Instead of that, it's it's going down. One of the reasons, and I'm, we talked a lot about that because it's happening. It's not just in the United States, uh, and we began to, you know, philosophize around. One of his first is without question. He said the number one reason we're seeing trouble among in the Christian camp nationwide is viewing. A viewing problem. That's a sweet, nice, he's a much nicer guy than I am. A viewing problem. I said, viewing. Now that is sounds that sounds really sterile. What's that mean? He says pornography. The viewing of pornography by young men starting early, early, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I talked to a big old boy one time. Uh, he was in his thirties. And uh, he was a strong man in every area of his life, but this, and he sat there and wept like a child in front of me. And I said, uh, you can, it was, uh, he was addicted to pornography, viewing, viewing. And I said, we can go, let's just go, we'll get, we'll get accountability set up with you and we'll go at least one week. He said, I have, since I've been 14 years old, I haven't gone one day without watching pornography. You think he was addicted? He couldn't in his own mind even visualize two days. I was trying to just go for seven days. That was just way outside of his imagination. And he, I said, well, how about three days? And he just said, I can't do it, and gave up. And consequently, uh, tragedy followed him. Tragedy will follow him everywhere he goes. Let's read this passage, and let me try to help us. I believe the Holy Spirit has given me this, and I'm sure it can help you. Uh, how can we survive the accessibility that we have today to illicit things? Not just, uh, I'm not going to just say power, but all kinds of illicit things that we may see. Well, first of all, we can learn something by David. Here in verse 1 of chapter 11, 2 Samuel, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle. But David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Reba. And uh, But David tarried still at Jerusalem. You need to underline that. And it came to pass in the eventide, underline that, that David arose from off his bed, underline that, and walked upon the roof of his house, underline that. I'll just underline the whole passage. And from, no. and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. You should underline that. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now you'd think that would be enough. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her. She voluntarily came. The, the Bible was very clear that a woman was being raped. She screamed, if she screamed when there were people around, she was innocent. And she, I don't read anything about her resisting here, arrest. And she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned under her house. I preached on this text at least uh, three or four different times. 
I've heard it preached on maybe a dozen times in my lifetime, and indeed you should hear it regularly. There may be no more of an infamous, and I use the word infamous text, of adultery anywhere in the Bible. You can almost go to anybody who knows just a little bit about the Bible and say David and Bathsheba, and they will understand what you're talking about. Uh, most of you here know the beginning and the ending of this story. I wouldn't have to go to any of it. For the sake of the new believer here, for the sake of maybe even the non-believer here, uh, immediately you're saying, Brother Bill, in your mind, in the, in the uh, chambers of your mind, the secrecy of those chambers, uh, you're, you're sitting here maybe to, to, to this morning saying, Bill, I, I, you don't know this, but I, really str I struggle with this. This is an area I have been defeated in over and over and over and over and over. Now, you may look good from the outside. Maybe nobody even knows about this. Because of the ability that we have in our society to commit this sin without anyone being around or any traceability, uh, it is bloomed like an algae bloom. Sucks the oxygen out of the water and kills all the fish. So this sin will bloom. Um, most of you know the story. This is the greatest king Israel ever produced. He was a man after God's own heart. He was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. He is credited with at least 72, 72 of the 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. He was the name David in any form appears some 1,000 times in the Bible. He is, a, uh, he is a top five best-known characters in the entire Old Testament. Uh, he was loved of God, no doubt about it. I mean, he was special to God. He was special to the heart of God uh, by what he did. Uh, and Jeroboam, speaking of a king, came down later after David, quite a bit later after David. And, and let me just read this verse to you. It says, he's telling Jeroboam, and, and I rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to thee. And this is the part I wanted, to, wanted you to get. And he said, yet thou hast not been as my servant David. He's telling Jeroboam because Jeroboam set an altar up in the southern part of Israel and set an altar up in the northern part of Israel and uh, tried to get the people of Israel to worship Jehovah through this altar that he made up, which was an illicit altar with an illicit image. Now, that was pretty bad, I would think. And so he tells Jeroboam, I'm going to rip the kingdom away from you because of what you've done. But he talks in reference, he says, but you haven't been like my servant David. This is after David's death, long after David. It's gone. You haven't been like my servant David who kept my commandments and followed me, circle these next two words, the three words, with all his heart. With all his heart, it's true, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. Bing, 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 bing. That doesn't jive with what I just read in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But this is years after David's death. Years after David's death. What did David do? Now, David did some of the, that's some of the worst. He committed murder. He lied. He betrayed his own soldier. I mean, had him killed. I mean, you, you, you can't just about name something infamous, w wicked enough any more than David did. And yet God said, later on, he's my servant, David. What happened? How did David get in that favored position after such an infamous and horrible sin? Does that give you hope? They give you hope? Oh, it does, doesn't it? 
It does, because we know, we know that he repented. David, honest to goodness, repented of what he did, and he meant it from his heart. And all Israel knew about it. All Israel knew about it. Man, I mean, that, that old boy suffered humiliation. Few people ever suffer. It went public all over. His, and, and in the process of this whole thing, God actually forgave him. It was real. And David was real too and got to come back. David was zealous for God in many ways. He conquered all of God's enemies surrounding nations. He brought peace and prosperity to Israel like no one else. Uh, he established the worship of Jehovah internationally. Uh, at the, and really, it was the zenith of Judaism during his reignship, during his kingship. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Bible says, will sit on the what? Throne of his father David. So he's not been uh, shamed to where his name's never mentioned again because he did this, so it is shaming God. By the way, God doesn't mess with sin no matter who does it. He told David, a sword are never going to pass from your house. If you, you know the story, know what he had to go through, and it followed him all the way to the grave. He didn't get away with anything, but he repented of it, and it was real. David died at the age of 70 years old. Oh, I like this. The Bible said he died in advanced old age. Full of days. Full of days. That means you lived all you're going to live. And you should be content if you live to 70 years old. You should be highly, highly content. Did you know that 50% of the, pe the people born never make it to 70% according to the last statistic I read? Or 70, 70 years old. I'm 66. I had a grandfather. He retired at 65, 46 years in the railroad. He's going to get ahead of a nice pension. Ooh, he had a nice pension. He could never work again. He had a big workshop in his basement with every kind of tool. He was a very skilled, highly skilled individual. Had the flu that summer. And my mother always said, cancer follows the flu. Sure enough. Got stomach cancer and was dead in six months. That's what Social Security's dream is for you and me. If a Social Security system is going to survive, we've got to start dying sooner. You 90-year-olds are killing us. <laughs> Just thought I'd put it out there. Um, he died at 70 years old. Solomon took the throne, his son, in late adolescence. Uh, calculating it all up, they figured Solomon was probably around 19 years old. The Bible says he was young and tender. The, the definition of those words in 1 Chronicles 22.5. It looks, it looks uh, if it's consistently translated, it is, it'd be about 19, 20 years old. Um, that would place David at the time of Bathsheba at about 49 years old. So he committed, he committed uh, adultery and murdered Uriah, committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah around 50 years old. It's been said with men, the 50s are some of the most dangerous years of their life for this sin right here. You thought it was the 20-year-olds, didn't you? No. The obvious errors leading to David's horrible sin of immorality are, were in the very pinnacle of his life. Uh, what happened to David? What happened? Well, he became less busy. He was semi-retired. That means he didn't go to war with Joab. He stayed back. Uh, he tarried still at Jerusalem. 
He had no business tearing at Jerusalem. He was the commander-in-chief for nothing else but morale of the whole tro troops. He ought to have been out there. That would have sure saved him. He must have gotten bored. I want to know in verse 2 there, it says he got off his, he rose from off his bed. What you doing on your bed when it's still daylight? What you doing in bed while it's in the eventide, the Bible says? He was bored out of his mind. He was laying down in bed. He was so bored. And, and, and he, then he gets up. It gets worse from there. He walked on the roof of the king's house. He just got a time on his hands. No place to go. And he starts just looking around. Let's put it this way. Surfing. He starts just getting on his phone. He got on his iPhone. And he started surfing. Now let's just surf YouTube and see what we come up with. Let's just surf. Yeah, that's what he did. He doesn't say that here. But he began to surf. He got up on his roof. Uh, he started looking around. You know, this is a parapet. It's the thing to keep you from falling off your roof. And he got up there. His, his house is the highest house around. What are you, what's you looking for, David? What, what good is it going to do to look over your... What, what are you, just in the even of the day where there's still enough light, I, of course, I got a lot to talk to Bathsheba about, but she's not here, so I'm not going to do it. Um, but Bathsheba, why in the world didn't you wait till dark to bathe? You know that there's there's ruse higher than you. I mean, it would make sense to you that if you know, remember, she's a married woman. Married women know about this stuff. They know they know somewhat how men are. The visual, and she's up there bathing herself. He finds he's, he looks down there. Now, the first time he sees that, he can look away. Right? He sees it. There was no sin in the visual contact. There was a sin in the stand visual. In other words, they say the first look is not sin, but it's that second look to sin. And he looked back, and he began to imagine what it would be like and, and with this woman, and, and he inquired after her. He had, he had a private situation there uh, with visual access that nobody else knew he was doing. That is a tremendously dangerous position to be in, but that's exactly the position we're in in 2017, the last day of 2017. You have private access without anybody knowing about it, and you people that are smart on computers can even get rid of the catch files. In verse 4 there, he took her. He took her. He had privileged access. He had privileged visual access, and that visual access led to action outside of just the visual. It'll always lead to that. You're not going to be content with just what you see. It's got to go to the next step. You say, I have control. You don't have control. If you had control, you wouldn't look. David was out of control when he looked at Bathsheba. And he looked at her, and that visual led to the physical encounter. It would have been bad enough had he looked at her and lusted on her as far as between him and God, right? Because he'd already violated it. He'd already violated Bible. Jesus said it. If you look on a woman to lust after her, you committed what in your heart? You already committed adultery. That's where all, it all starts within us, amen? So it started within the man's heart. He could have stopped it there, but he kept looking. He kept entertaining it. 
He kept exposing himself to it. Let me tell you, you are not strong enough to overcome it. You are not strong enough to, to be, have victory over it any more than David, a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man who had great and intimate fellowship with God had. The first step in overcoming this is admitting you can't without God. You need accountability, which he did not have. It set him up. The combination of lack of purpose, boredom, private visual access, eventually leading to privileged physical access, slew one of the greatest spiritual men in the entire Old Testament. What does this sound like? The scenario sounds like what we have today, doesn't it? How can we, I'm talking about us here, how can we, this generation, survive an unlimited and private access to any evil you could possibly imagine? You people who are familiar with the internet know that 42% of the internet is devoted to some of the most vile wicked, bottomless, meaning there's no bottom to it, visual access of any generation. There's never been, unless it happened, uh, 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 Brother Bill, uh, Hanthorne, unless it happened before the flood. We've never, there's never been a time like today. It could have happened before the flood. There's, there's theories that the, the people of the flood got already had computers and already where we're at, and God just wiped the slate clean on those people because the Bible says that uh, every imagination of their heart was only evil continually and that they were in the violence. And he said, I can't stand it anymore. And only eight people, and I'm going to never get over the fact that out of tw possibly 25 billion people on the planet, because there were no oceans, it was all land, 25 billion people on the planet, that only eight people made it? What? How powerful was their corruption? Think about it. That it corrupted all but eight and it will do the same to you and me if we don't get so serious about being free you will end up being a slave and you'll you'll believe you can contain it and you can box it but you can't it's a wild beast early on in my life i got i got exposed to some pornography in my early teens and I'm going to tell you, I felt in my soul that I would be absolutely a slave to it. I just felt within my soul there was no way in the world I wanted to do anything else. I wanted to eat it, drink it, sleep it, have it, own it. And it scared me. It scared me. I made a profession of faith in Christ five years old, lived, made a reconfirmation at 12 years old, but about 13, 14 got exposed to and it was compared to what I'm talking about, exposed on it was mild. I hate to call it mild, but it was not in the degree of explicitness as it is today. But even that gripped me as a young man to where that's what about 98% of my time, that's what I wanted to think about. And it began to change my decision-making. 
It would change where I wanted to go. My dad would say, hey, son, he had a lake lot up in uh, Long Lake in southern Michigan with a boat right on the water and a little house there. And he said, let's go water skiing. It was summertime. Remember, remember in Indiana, you get two days of summer. And you better take advantage of all two of them. And it would be like 75 degrees. And he said, let's go skiing. And I'd say, oh, dad, I don't want to go. I really wanted to go. But I knew if I went with him, I couldn't do what I wanted to do in my flesh. It divided me from my dad. It'll divide you from every person that has any kind of value in your life. It'll treat you like a little slave boy. No generation has ever had the temptations we have had in mass like we are under right now. You people, we are under it right now. A 10-year-old child. God have mercy on these young men coming into puberty. Some principles of the temptation I want to go over. Well, the Bible's clear. We're not to put ourselves in a place of temptation. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. David said in Psalm, I think it's 101, it says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts. Uh, by the way, this does not just concentrate itself in young people. You ever heard the term dirty old men? There's lots of them. Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather do what? Reprove them. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. I'm obeying that verse. Secondly, we'll... We will be given a way to escape if you want it. First, uh, quoted often, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, uh, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, will not permit you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may also, that you may be able to bear it. If you truly want liberty, you can have it. The RU program specializes in overcoming addiction. One of their major addictions is pornography, I'm sure of it. Not just alcohol, not just cocaine, but pornography. Visual pollution is what it is. But turns into mental pollution. Private temptation, easy accessibility, just at your fingertips, without seeming consequences. Wow, who can overcome that? How do you survive that? How do you survive the combination of those things? How does a well-meaning, sincere Christian survive undamaged with a computer in his house with little or maybe no restraints or accountability? How does a Christian that's well-meaning, that's want to do right, survive with, a, with an iPhone and nobody checks it? Nobody looks at it. There's no accountability. Oh, well, I trust my children. You're a fool. You're a fool. I had a parent one day come to me and said, we're too dumb to be parents when they found out that their kids have been doing some sneaky stuff behind them. I say, expect your children to do sneaky stuff. They're just like you. Oh, some of you sweet old gray-haired girls act, look like you'd almost never, never step on an ant. You were young once. (laughs) 
The truth is, I hate to say it, in majority, you're not going to survive. If you don't do something pretty radical, you're not going to survive. Uh, there was a big group meeting of men years ago, years uh, about 10 years ago. A massive group of people got together, men, men only. It was, a men's, it was a men movement. And they did a double blind, uh, uh, maybe it was just single blind survey. I think it may have been double blind on these men. And 95% of the men struggled with what I'm talking about this morning. 95. These are born again. These are born again Christian men. We're not talking about the world. We're not talking about <laughs> going to the world. It may be 100%. But you go, we're talking about born again people that say they know Jesus and say they believe the Bible is the word of God and say there's a day of accountability and, and believe in some degree that they're going to stand before God and give an account of deeds on their body, whether it be good or bad. They believe in some degree that Jesus sees everything, that there is no night to God. That it's all like a, it's all visible. It's all visible. Everything will be given account of. People like that, 95% struggle with what I'm talking about this morning. If you're going to survive this visual attack on you, you're going to have to outrun and outgun some of the best Christians in a millennium. Because they did not have the temptation degree we have. David did not have what we have. And he fell as God's sweet psalmist of Israel. And what did he give up? Well, I'm not going into that. That's not the message. But most of you know that he gave up just about everything sacred to him. His own son came and tried to kill him. His family members. One, one of his children raped one of his sisters, and, and, and it went downhill from there. And that brother killed that kid that raped his sister, and it just went on. His, his, his wives were, were uh, defiled in public, and his, his reputation was the talk of bar room, back bar rooms. His name was drugged, was, was drugged through the mud. Here we are, 2017, the last day, and we're still talking about David's problem. God did not let him off easily. They did not have the easy access at their fingertips. What can we do? What can we do? What's some common, as I finish this, what can be some common points of victory? Number one, make a decision that you're not strong enough to overcome the easy accessibility. How can we overcome accessibility? Private, easy accessibility. Number one, say I can't. I'm not going to make it. I need to make, I need to lay down some things. You got to quit kidding yourself. You got to know what's really going on and you got to know your weaknesses. Secondly, make a decision to get rid of private, easy, no accountability access. Here at the gospel, any computer on premises, without notice, without people knowing, we have computer experts come through and download all the catch files and look at them. You'll not know, if you have a computer at gospel, you'll not know when we do it. We'll do it late at night. We'll have somebody come in here and download the catch files to see what you're looking at. It's not that we don't trust you. It's that we want you to have something David didn't have. We want you to have some accountability. 
We want you to have some knowing when you type that thing on that computer or if you push that button that somebody else is going to be looking at that someday. Oh, that'll help you. That'll help you. It will. Restrictive programs are a help. Um, getting rid of the computer. I've known guys who say, I just cannot have a phone. Amen. Get a flip phone. I'm going to ask, how many here have a flip phone? Look at all you. How many here under 25 have a flip phone? Oh, no, you want that smartphone. That's really a dumb phone. If you have a smartphone, I've had, I've had women tell me, I, I, I grabbed a hold of my husband's phone. He goes, hey, you don't look at that, brother. If your husband says, if your husband, I'm going to tip I'm causing marital trouble today. If you go at the, on the way home, say, husband, give me your phone, and I want it for a couple hours. I want to look at it. And take, and then woman, take it to a 12-year-old that knows about it. <laughs> and ask them to search it. Now, if your husband goes, oh, blah, 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 I, I, I don't like you, then you know you got trouble. If he says, here, take it, I want to take your phone look at it. Oh, then you know you're probably in good shape. Or if at that time he begins to confess. It's good. It's all good. It's got to come out in the open. What's the first thing a doctor does when he finds out you got cancer? They want to kill it. Kill it! They kill it by cutting it out, poisoning it, doing preventative medicine. Why? That cancer... Though you do not normally even feel it till it's too late. That's the way this stuff is. You, you say, I'm okay. I'm, you're not okay. Just like, I, you know, Doc, with this many people here, I, bet I can safely say there's probably somebody in this room that's got cancer right now, but you don't know it. That's creepy. I've almost never been wrong. Every time I make that statement, somebody will come up to me three, four months later and say, Preacher, I was sitting there, and I had a tumor in my disc or that, and I didn't even know it. And man, I'm not prophesying anything. This is just statistics. You, there are probably people in this room that and may have cancer to your death. Six months from now, you may already be in heaven. So if I was you, I'd live for Jesus. You can have a brain tumor. Your brain has no feeling. And you have a brain tumor, and they're growing. My dad did. My dad had a brain tumor as big as almost your hand before he had any symptoms. He began to have a little trouble using his right hand. That big, it was as big as my fist. One whole lobe of his brain was pushed down by that tumor. I saw the MRI. Couldn't believe it. You may be sitting here with something in here going to kill you. How do you want to end? And that old stuff that you're putting in your mind, that old pornography and junk and illicit, illicit things you're putting in your mind, it is hurting you. It is damaging you like cancer. And one way you got to do it is just get rid of it. Listen, if you can't have a phone that's accountable or a computer that's accountable and that's not working, there's only one other way I know of you're going to beat it, and that's you got to get rid of it. We're talking about private access. You can publicly have access to the computer. And have other people checking it. That will work. Why? If you fail, they're going to catch you. They're going to help you. 
They're not going to beat on you. They're going to help you. They're going to say, hey, look, this is the wrong direction to go in your life. Don't keep going this way. Hey, it's killing you. It's going to kill you. It's going to ruin everything good. And then make a third decision. Just don't give up. No matter how many times you fall. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times, riseth up again. Don't quit on the path of righteousness. Just tell the devil, you will have to shoot me or you will have to kill me to stop me, but I am going to get free from this demon, this visual demon. I'm going to get free from it. Does, if you have a desire to be free, God has a bigger desire for you to be free. And he and you combined by the grace of God, he will help you overcome. There's a book in our library. You've got to get it and buy it. It's called The Purity Principle. It says a lot of what I say here. The Purity Principle. Just By the way, it's a man's book. It's about that big. He knew when he wrote it, if you get bigger than that, I ain't going to read that. Make a decision to not give up. Your fellowship will be ruined with it. Your power will be gone. Your testimony will be gone. Your peace will be gone. Your joy will be gone. God will eventually give you over to what you want. And when, I'm going to tell you, when God gives you over to it, you ain't getting free. You ain't getting free. You read Romans 1. He gave him up, gave him up, and gave him over. You read it. What's God's penalty for continually sinning and not giving it up after he warns you and he comes to you and he tries to get you away from it and you fight him and fight him and fight him. He says, okay, now you're not getting away from it. Now I'm a, I am addicting you to it and you will then suffer the punishment that it brings you. Man, you don't want to push God. Don't bring him. Don't bring, don't, don't, don't tempt God. Don't do it. Exodus 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. And like David, it'll be terribly costly. Oh, my mind. What maybe, maybe it'll be worse is that's what you're going to be remembered by. The Bible says that they that commit adultery or wound and dishonor shall they get, and their reproach shall not be wiped away. The Bible's true. Let every man be a liar, but the Bible's true. You do it God's way, and God will help you. You do it your way, the world's way, and you will suffer trouble. What do you think we got the trouble we're having with sexual misconduct among our leadership? Why do you think we have that? Do you think that just comes overnight? Do you think that happens because a good guy who never thinks about that all of a sudden just boop, boop. no, 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 no. That those, those men are pouring themselves over the same stuff I'm talking about now and what is, what is eventually, what is visual eventually becomes physical. And what they have thought on and meditated on and washed their mind over, eventually they express that in a physical, illicit sin. Don't do it. Can you survive this age of accessibility? That was Jim Van Gelder's question. Can we survive this accessibility? Oh, Jesus said, narrows the way, straight as the gate. It's going to be hard to get through. Few be there that find it. Like the old Marines said, why don't you be one of the few? Why don't you be one of the few? You can be it. You can be delivered. Your mind says, oh, Brother Bill, I can't be. You can be. Today you can be. But you're going to have to get public. 
You're going to have to go public. You're going to have to go, whether it be to your wife, your kids, your family. You're going to have to somehow get accountability because you're not going to make it without help. God help us. You want to know why the church of Jesus Christ is struggling? You want to know why the Holy Spirit is many times quenched? We don't see the tenderness of heart. We don't see the brokenness of spirit we saw 30 years ago. What's new? What's new? Viewing is defiling the consciences of our people. Father, help us this morning. Clean us. Wash us. Help us. Pull us as a group out of the downward spiral of visual pollution. Father, help us as Philippians 4, 8 says, to think on those things which are true, which are just, which are honest, which are lovely, which are of good report. God in heaven, help us to set our minds on things which are above, not on things which are below. We know it says in First John, John, the whole world lieth in wickedness. It's not something new other than the accessibility. That's new. God save us from this accessibility that's come upon the world. We believe these are the end times. We believe it's close. We don't know how close. This is new. These smartphones, these computers, these private viewing is all new. Help us, Father. Save us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.